But men, how can we relate? Sometimes we push the wrong buttons, don't we? I have to learn. All right, hey, today we're in Isaiah, we're in Isaiah chapter 43, so I'll give you a moment to be able to turn there for the reading today, and we're going to look at the first seven verses of chapter 43 in Isaiah. But let me tell you, just love it or hate it, we even sang some Christmas songs today, and Christmas songs are filling the airwaves on your car radio. In fact, notice then how the countdown has started. Sheila mentioned it to the kids, we've been talking about it, kind of alluded to it all morning. But there's 22 days until Christmas. Three weeks from today is Christmas Eve. So we're in the season. And, I mean, that particular thought that we're in the Christmas season, with all the shopping and stuff that still maybe has to be done, can provoke fear in someone who is maybe not prepared for this time of the year. But yet at the same time then, joy, jubilation, and great rejoicing can happen for someone who looks forward to the best birthday present the world has ever received. Jesus Christ, the Son of the only God, the only Son of God, is the, is the absolute best Christmas gift anybody's ever received. Because I, I, I think of that, and I, so because I think about that special gift given to all mankind, I then fall into the category rejoicing rather than being you know, sad or being fear. I, I think about it being a day of rejoicing. And it should be a time of rejoicing and celebration. I mean, it can be busy, yes. But the thought of our Lord's birth overrides any stress that should govern any of our lives throughout the next several weeks. It should be a time in which we feel love and just have love on others and celebrate the fact that we are redeemed. Yet the day we celebrate in just over three weeks, 22 days for the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Ultimate results in us having redemption if you accept that free gift of Jesus. Our text this morning speaks of redemption, speaks of being redeemed and of ransom, so hence the title, Ransom and Redeemed. Same with me this morning as we look at what Isaiah is referring to and saying in his particular text. We're going to look again to Isaiah chapter 43 and just look through the first seven verses, and then we'll have a time, of course, of an explanation. And application. But let's look and see what Isaiah is saying here in the 43rd chapter, verse 1. It said, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes, and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. My Father, Lord, we thank you today for how we can look into Isaiah have a message for this time of the year, especially to recognize how we have been ransomed and how we didn't have been redeemed. 
We pray, Lord, as we go through the text and begin to understand what's happening that prompts Isaiah to write this and then have a bit of application to follow, that we see that this time of the year, Lord, is special. It should never be taken for granted. It should always be very special to us as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, let us reflect upon that today as we hear your word. And let's go about, Lord, into the world, the mission field that's set before us, and proclaim this good news of the birth of our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When the text, you may have heard, I kind of stressed to kind of slow down about it for just a moment, a key word, in verse 1 especially, the word redeemed. In fact, it's really more than the key word. Look at the verse again with me, verse 1 of Isaiah 43. Really the latter part of the verse, if you will, where it says, For not, fear not, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name, by name, your mind. Now, while that is a key portion of the text we're going to elaborate upon, it is really best to kind of understand and maybe explain what's happening that prompts Isaiah to write this. So allow me to take a few moments to set the context and the setting. Because chapter 43 is part really of a larger unit of text in Isaiah, primarily verses of chapters 40 through 44, is often labeled as God's servant Israel. And, and my Bible is actually, chapter 43, called Israel's only Savior. But the chapters within this particular unit, especially chapter 40, actually refer to or associated with Judah's exile drawing to a close. And let me explain the exile. Because it should insert for clarification, the exile is referring to Judah, which is the southern kingdom. There was a split between the northern and southern kingdom years ago. But as the southern kingdom was having been captive by the Babylonians in 586 B.C., they were actually captured. God allowed the Babylonians to overcome the southern kingdom because he had become angry at the nations or the peoples, the kings, so forth and so on. He became angry at their idolatry and their sin. Now, yes, they did. If you know history and you know the situation, you know they did repent for a period of time as they were invaded initially by the Assyrians. The Assyrians, during the divided kingdom, actually captured the northern kingdom. But the Assyrians, as they overcame the northern kingdom, and invaded the southern kingdom, would well, Judah felt that, and they repented. God witnessed their repentance. He rescued the, the nation from the Syrian army. But unfortunately for the southern kingdom, Judah, their repentance was short-lived. So with their return years later to their evil, rebellious ways, as we all have a tendency to do, God allowed the Babylonians to come and besiege Jerusalem and the homeland. But, as we learned in the book of Daniel, the Middle Persian Empire overcame and conquered the fierce, once fierce Babylonians, which ultimately led to the Jewish people being allowed to return to their homeland and coming out of exile. That's the circumstances around chapter 43 and chapters 40 through 44 in the book of Isaiah. As we get into the book of 43, they recognize how the people are hopeful. They're actually anxious, and they're looking for relief from the years in exile, 70 years in exile, and they're looking for relief from their captivity. But furthermore, the Lord was raising up a leader who would release them. And while Judah is thinking about a physical release, God has in mind much bigger things pertaining to a spiritual release. If God would raise up a servant, 
eventually the Messiah, to give them the spiritual release that they long for. Notably, upon their optimism of returning home from the exile, the nation was still spiritually captive or declining. In the end of Isaiah chapter 42, God's sorrow, he has over the people having declined in their spirituality or the spiritual decay of the people that particular day. So in Isaiah 43, God essentially says to the people, despite your sinful activity, despite your spiritual failure, I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to bring you out of captivity. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to do it with love rather than wrath. Now as that said, and as you begin to reflect upon the contextual setting of what's happening in Isaiah 42, 43, and Judah returning from exile, but yet having spiritual captivity or decline, notice how we in our day can closely identify. Now, not that any of us are returning from exile. We've not been placed on an an island abandoned, had not been sent from Jerusalem to Babylon. I mean, you haven't been forced to go to any particular country or forced to flee your home necessarily. But in our country, in our time we're living today, we can definitely draw a parallel to spiritual captivity because we in our country, in the world today, are on a spiritual decline or decay. Perhaps you've witnessed it. The times we live in are most certainly hostile to Christianity. And the times then we may even feel held, that we're felt, held captive by our society simply because of our faith. Simply because we're Christians, we're believers, we are disciples. And because of that, we can sometimes not relate to the world and actually feel captive to the world which we live in. Many even object, if we kind of narrow in on the time of the year, many even object to the very thought of Jesus. Upon this particular day, month, year that we're having, and notice that we begin to celebrate the birth of our Savior Many people are still hostile to hearing the good news and to celebrate the fact that it's the birth. It's all about this particular month, especially on the 25th, we know and celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. They're hostile to this. Case in point is this. Have you noticed? Over the years, it's been happening more and more. It's no longer politically correct to say, Merry Christmas. Retailers put up holiday trees, not Christmas trees. We often hear about this happening into our world today, but we do really understand the extent or the magnitude or the impact. There's a nonprofit agency called American Faith who posted on their webpage, just like last year, that several major retailers do not allow employees to express Merry Christmas. The site reports this. Look at them. Target, Gap, Walgreens are among 13 companies that have placed on the Christian conservative legal nonprofit naughty list for failing to spotlight Christmas during the holiday season. Those three companies, maybe you do some shopping at. But there's other businesses on the naughty list, including Academy Sports and Outdoor, Barnes and Noble, Burlington, Burlington Coat Factory, Dick Sporting Goods, J. Crew Outfitters. The Limited, The Law, Lord and Taylor, Rite Aid Pharmacy, and TJ Maxx. Notice how there is quite a few companies, quite a few retailers in which we may shop at 
that have actually do not allow Christmas trees or the words Merry Christmas used in their store by the employees. I mean, the position of abstaining from Merry Christmas or the expression thereof is really not something new. A few years ago, back in 2016, in fact, I found an article by the Orlando newspaper that in 2016, they also created a naughty and nice list of retailers and merchandisers. Listen to a few of these. On the naughty list, are you ready for this? Lowe's. The department store Lowe's. Employees cannot say Merry Christmas to customers. Lowe's corporate advised that only when customers initiate a Merry Christmas greeting can employees respond in kind. I go to Lowe's quite often. Banana Republic. The website has a holiday gift guide with no mention at all of Christmas. On the list then, as it was now, Barnes & Noble. But here's what the Orlando newspaper added. That their site, the website, has a gift guide or holiday gift basket. A holiday sled. A holiday delivery. But no mention of all the Christmas. In fact, stores are not allowed to put up Christmas trees. And employees are not allowed to say Merry Christmas. Best Buy. Unique gifts for the season. Holiday gift ideas. Spokesman said the use of Merry Christmas and Best Buy by employees is disrespectful. But there is also, according to Orlando newspaper, a nice list. Nice list includes people like this. Dillard's, who has a Christmas catalog. J.C. Penney, Christmas Shipping Countdown. Joanne Fabrics offers Christmas and holiday fabrics. Kohl's, Christmas all over the TV and the print and radio ads. Michael's has a Christmas section. And Walmart, of course, has a Christmas shop, plays Christmas carols, and allows the employees to say to others, Merry Christmas. That's a few on the nice list. But notice how the naughty list, those who do not want to be expressing Merry Christmas, seems to be growing and growing. And all that then just seems to have an indication, of course, of hostility to Christianity. But when you start thinking about it, analyzing even deeper, there are repercussions from that. It indicates a rejection of the sacrifice that was made for every man, woman, and child. Now, as you relate that back to the text and connecting things, it's important to see that Israel had been, of course, also hostile to God. It's not just something new. There's always been some hostility towards God from someone some way. But they were also rebellious over the years as they too have been hostile, which also led to their exile and their captivity, of course. But yet note then in the text that despite Israel's and our indifferent attitude, hostility, and rebellious tendencies, God created us, the people of Israel, and he has us, and we're very special to him. We go back to verse 4 in the text, look how special we are. Isaiah writes these words, and we are very special to him, because it tells in verse 4, we are precious in his eyes. We're honored, we're loved. We're precious in his sight. But also look in verse 4, I mean, there's two ways to express the fact that we're special to him. One, of course, that we're precious in his sight. Also notice how it says, I give men in return for you peoples in exchange for your life, which points us to the fact that we have been ransomed. The other key word for today, besides being redeemed, that we've been ransomed. 
Now we'll set that aside for a minute and come back to it just a while. But before we expand upon the fact that God has loved us via the ransom, there also is love and protection in verse 2 when he says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. I mean, God promises his people, not just the chosen nation of Israel, but us too as his people. He who will gather from every step, everything that happens in life. That particular passage actually makes allusion to the Exodus, where the waters and the rivers look back to the Red Sea and the Jordan. It may be in the fire to Daniel chapter 2. As I was thinking about that, reflecting upon how a protection and provision he gives to us, I actually thought of Psalms 23, or, or Proverbs 23, especially verse 4, which says, Even though I walk through the valley shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I mean, what a blessing it is to know that God is with us in the valley, as mentioned in, in Proverbs 23. Or that, as mentioned in Isaiah 43, uh, that he's with us as, as we pass through the waters and it will overwhelm us. Or that we can walk through the fire without feeling burned. I mean, ultimately, we see that we're not overwhelmed, we're, we're not consumed, but we are comforted, we are blessed with His mercy and His goodness. I mean, we have such a loving Father. In fact, the nation Israel's preciousness to Him suggests even a parental relationship, as it is of any loving Father, always wanting to protect His children. God protected Israel in many times of trouble as he does with us as well. God is always with his children who have accepted his son and who call upon his name in the day they have a distress. I mean, God keeps our, if you will, God keeps our heads above the water in a drowning world. In fact, observe and note that going through the waters or the rivers of difficulty will either cause you to drown or force you to grow stronger. It's true. When you go through the rivers of a difficult life or a difficult moment, it'll either cause you to get caught up in that and to drown or will force you to grow stronger through it. But many times, we try to go through the river of life on our own strength. But if you go in your own strength, you're much more likely to drown. And we have a lot of people drowning. They're all around us. And perhaps this morning you may be here thinking, I'm drowning within a world I'm consumed with. I'm going through a major storm in life, and this crisis and trial it just keeps happening, and the rain is falling and falling and falling. It has been falling so long, it's already up to my knees, and it's getting so high, it's almost up to my waist. Because maybe you're here this morning, and you, and you feel the fact that you're drowning in debt. Just a financial burden is upon you. And Christmas can add to that. I mean, Christmas is actually a financial burden to a lot of people. It creates a huge debt. And maybe that's where you are here this morning, beginning to drown within the financial burdens of the holiday season. Or, or maybe here this morning, drowning in sorrow. I mean, holidays also have a tendency to do that. 
It's so easy to have sadness and sorrow through everyone else's joy and celebration through the holiday season because it reminds you when you have that holiday time together, if you have the sadness and sorrow, it reminds you of someone who is no longer there. But you're held special. I mean, it starts with Thanksgiving with family and friends. When you begin to miss the person who's no longer with you. And last through Christmas. Even begins to, it might begin to fade away at the beginning of a new year, but it's a slow fade. As you still think about it from time to time. My dad died one week after Thanksgiving in 2003. One week after Thanksgiving. And for many years, honestly, the holidays were different. In fact, any family gathering was difficult because they reminded me of the one who wasn't there. I have an aunt that I work with that lost her daughter during the Thanksgiving week of 2021. And because of that, she now makes a special effort to have her grandchildren from that particular daughter that she passed away to be present during the holiday time to overcome her daughter's absence. It's difficult for many different people during the holiday. We have the sadness and sorrow. We have the debt, things like that that begin to happen, and we feel like we're drowning. It's difficult. But because it's difficult, that's when a, a passage like Proverbs 23 or Isaiah 43 we're looking at this morning, that's when it becomes helpful for us to look at these things. Because it reminds us that God is with us. It's the name Emmanuel, right? I mean, the truth is that God will help you through your pain. That God wants to help you. I mean, we cannot swim upstream all the way through life on our own strength. It just doesn't work. But if you invite God to go with you, he will help you swim the river. He will place you on dry land to another day. He will give you strength. As Paul wrote in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And that message needs to ring loudly and clearly upon every month of the year, but maybe especially during the time of December. And we would receive the special gift of Jesus. I mean, the world may be a little hostile to the name of Jesus, but we can still preach it, can't we? We can still make his name to be known. I mean, it may turn his ear to it and not want to hear it, but we can still proclaim it. We can still preach it. And retailers may do their best to quiet Jesus and his glorious, wonderful name, but we can still shout it from the rooftops. Even though the world attempts to hush the magnificent name of our Lord and Savior, we must bring his name to the forefront, especially during this time of the year, during the holiday season. Now recall, I mentioned earlier that the effect of not saying Merry Christmas has deeper repercussions than just mere hostility. We start thinking about it. The fact that Merry Christmas is being shunned by some major retailers, not wanting to express it, is more than just an indication of being hostile toward Christianity. Because if you start thinking about it, it will eventually, if not already, have an impact upon our children. So we're kind of left confused. And then some never knowing the truth of the Christmas season. 
So then while visions of Santa bringing lots of toys and goodies on the sleigh brings in every child's mind, the vision and concept of Jesus coming to save the world is, is getting neglected and outright rejected. You see that? Having all these visions of toys and goodies, but the truth of the season of Jesus coming to save is getting neglected and rejected. In fact, a few years ago, a special campaign by some well-known atheist groups were proudly displaying on billboards across the country. You ready for this? Make Christmas great again. Skip church. What kind of message is that? Some well-known atheist groups were actually paying for billboards across major interstates across the country. Make Christmas great again. Skip church. What message is that sending to our children? I mean, it's very sad and sorrowful. But even more sorrowful to know that a large portion of children then may never know the truth of Christmas or the love of Jesus. Or some will never know the fact that we have a Redeemer, that we can be redeemed. And the text today points us to truth for the season. Isaiah 43, verse 1. I keep on the last part of the verse, yes. But it says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Isn't that special? You are mine. That is a key element of the text that we kind of emphasize today, that we have been redeemed. But also notice not just redemption or redeemed, but focus upon ransom. So we come back to it. Verse 3, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Now, admittedly, this verse, you look through it, you, you think, well, okay, it's kind of overlooked because it's mentioning Egypt and Cush and Seba. And many reject this portion of the text are greatly troubled because it says it's a ransom for his people. It, it mentions how there's nations, there's country being ransomed for God's chosen people of Israel, and they can actually become hateful because of that. They can actually look at it and get a little angry, saying, okay, God's really going to ransom certain people for other people he prefers, like his chosen people of Israel? But don't overlook the verse. Don't think too much about it in that regard. I mean, here the word ransom is used, and it's critically important that we focus upon the word ransom as well. I mean, in the Old Testament, as the firstborn goat or whatever was sacrificed and ransomed by, by, by being substitution of the Passover, God also then would ransom his firstborn only son. And through that, then we've been redeemed. I mean, so how have we been redeemed? By, we've been redeemed by a ransom. Who is the ransom? The ransom is Jesus Christ. And Peter mentions in his first epistle, verse 18 and 19, first chapter, you were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ. Ephesians 1, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We have been redeemed, but we've also been ransomed. You said, well, what is a ransom? Well, here's the definition technically of a ransom. The prisoner, the redemption of a prisoner, slave, or kidnapped people for price. But notice the second definition. A means of deliverance or rescue from punishment for sin. Matthew mentioned in verse 20, 28, 
The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for ransom for many. And just then as men, as God gave men like Egypt and Cush and Seba for Israelites, he gave his son for many, including me and you. Maybe you can hardly start to see a parallel existing in the text of Israelites' redemption. Because just in over three weeks, 22 days in fact, we celebrate the birth of one who came to save the world as a ransom to be redeemed. Because of that, we should be grateful, we should be joyful, and we should celebrate the season. In the text, God has loved his chosen people of Israel so much that he ransomed certain countries for their freedom. Yes, that's what the text seems to say in a particular verse. People don't like it, they'll overlook it, they won't think about it, but that's what the text kind of suggests. But notice this, the same applies to us. That God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son. And Jesus paid the price for us. He is our ransom so that we can be free. Jesus came because God loved the world so much. And even Paul mentioned that it's, it's all the world. It's, it's everyone. I mean, he mentioned in Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. We're all one in Jesus Christ. The Old Testament pertains to the Israelites. But we can connect it to our day, the text to our day, to recognize that we are the adopted children of God. Verse 5 and 6 points to God calling all the children of all areas of the earth. Notice how from the east, the west, the north, the south. Mention verses 5 and 6. All children are being called. All children can be ransomed and redeemed. In, 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 that, in the New Testament, Acts chapter 10, Peter even talks about the salvation, both the Jews and the Gentiles. Essentially, we can pull from the text the truth of redemption that can only come through accepting Jesus Christ. We can only be redeemed and be freed by accepting Jesus Christ. Redemption through the blood of Jesus is for everyone. It's not for a selective few. It is for everyone. Notice in verse 7. Everyone Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, they, they have a chance to be ransomed and redeemed. Bottom line is this. God has made each of us for his glory. And nothing would make God any happier than for you to accept Jesus Christ as his son. If you have accepted the gift, which is the son, the only son, Jesus Christ himself, to celebrate. Celebrate it today. Celebrate it upon this season. Because you then have been ransomed and you then have been redeemed. We need to send that message to the world so they too can have ransom and be redeemed. Father.